To God be the glory for the great things He has done. Amen. Has He done great things in your life? The fact that you are sitting here today is great things, isn't it? Think back about the last week. Just the last week what He's done for you. Uh, so many times we are fretting. You know what fretting means? We're fretting out about things. And we wonder how it's going to end. And then two, three weeks ahead of after things has come to fruition, we look back at it and go, why did we fret? <laughs> why did we waste time? Because God has done great things, yes? So many times we fall into difficult things ourselves because of the things that we do. We cause trouble for ourselves, don't we? Who knows that? So many times we cause trouble, and then once we're in the midst of that trouble, what do we do? We cry out to God. Help us. Help us, Lord. Oh, help us, Lord. And what does He do? He helps us. Isn't it wonderful? Again, this morning, we're going to open up in your Bibles in the book of Job as we see and look at lessons from the book of Job. I thought it was going to be six weeks, but now we're in lesson number seven. How wonderful is the Word of God? I just don't want to close the book and just walk away from it. There are so many good lessons we can learn from this book. Uh, the scholars say it's one of the first books that was written. I know if you open up your Bible, you find Genesis, which is the first book written by Moses. In fact, uh, I, I believe that Moses compiled a lot of writings into Genesis. Uh, different people wrote Genesis, but Moses put it all together. And then you've got a Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and it was all put together. Uh, but Job is believed to be the first book. And I reckon it's good to read about this book and then go back to Revelation and see how God has filled everything in between. Everything. Today we're going to go to Job chapter 42. And we're going to look at verse 1 to 6. And we know what's happened to Job at this point in time. He's lost everything. Not because of his cause, remember? Behind the scenes, the enemy went to God. He had to be appear before God. And outside of Job's control, decisions were made that was going to influence and impact his life. He had no control over that. He lost everything. Everything he had. He lost his children, his possessions, but he held his integrity. He didn't curse God. Remember when his wife said, curse God and die. He had three friends who came to him and they were supposed to uplift him. First they sit with him for seven days and they didn't eat and they fasted and threw ass upon their heads and they were with him. And then they start accusing him of sinning. You're a sinner, Job. That's why this is happening to you. And start searching out of human wisdom what the causes is. We find so many things of that happening. The human wisdom of things that happen in our lives. Well, we can safely say that nothing that Job did caused this. It was happened behind the scenes. It was a spiritual attack. And we've seen through this, you know, how his friends called him a hypocrite and they called him a liar. You're supposed to have good friends and they're no good friends anymore, aren't they? And you and I should learn from that. Not to trust in people, but to trust in God. I'm not saying distrust people. I'm saying not to trust in people. 
And there's a scripture verse in the Bible which says that you shouldn't trust in princes and in chariots, but you should trust in God. Because let me tell you one thing, if you haven't noticed that in your life already, that at any time and sometime in life, people will disappoint you. And even the people very close to you will disappoint you. And this is a book that shows us how to move on from there. You can learn all of those lessons. Today, we want to look at the topic which says, how do you know God? Ask yourself that question this morning. How do you know God this morning? If somebody comes up to you and say, can you tell me, how do you know God? What will your answer be? Have you formed your answer already? Are you going to search deep for that? Are you going to say, I don't know. I don't know how I know God, but I just know God. Because I know that I know God. Is that an answer? Well, it could be an answer. But is it a satisfactory answer? And this is what we're going to look into. And our first this morning is Job chapter 42 verse 5. Where where Job himself said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now mine eyes have seen you. We're going to explore that a little bit this morning and look into that. So let's open up in Job chapter 42 and we're going to read from verse 1. The Word of God says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that you can do everything. Who knows that? God can do everything. And He knows that now. This comes after a conversation that God had with him. First he had three friends coming to him and tried to find his problem. Then he had a fourth person, Elihu, come to him and he spoke to him. And then, then God spoke to him. And when God speaks, everybody is silent. He asked him questions which Job couldn't answer. You see, we as mankind often think that we are so clever. But are we? Are we clever when it comes to God? No, we are not. And he comes to this point where Job says, I know that you can do everything and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. I think we need to take a lesson from those words. No purpose of God will be withheld from him. If God purposes something to happen, what, what what will happen? It will happen. And we need to understand God's purposes for our lives. I've seen so many times people kick against the purposes of God. And they only tire themselves out until they come into the purpose of it. Look, look, let me tell you. I've seen so many families, listen to me very carefully, husbands and wives and children out of the purpose of God. And there comes no direction in their life until they come under the purpose of God. I can just ask you now, what is the purpose for marriage? There is a purpose and a plan for marriage in the Word of God. What is the purpose for your life? There is a purpose and a plan for you. God didn't just make you to be one of the numbers. Have you noticed that you've got a name and a surname? Have you noticed that? And have you noticed that when you get born again, you get a new name? Child of God, Christian. Have you noticed that? And with a name and a surname comes a purpose and a plan. Your task and my task is to come to God and to find our purpose and plan from Him. Otherwise, listen to me very carefully, your life will be miserable and I can't do anything about it. Is that a shocking revelation? But it's true. It is so true. 
You look out in the world and you see people frustrated with their lives and you sit down with them and you speak a few minutes and you understand why their lives is a mess because they don't understand God's purpose and the plan for them. And you know what's going to happen, my dear friend? They're going to walk around the mountain, walk around the mountain and keep on walking around the mountain until one day they're going to do what Job did. So here we find it. He says, and that no purpose of you can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without knowledge? God asked that question. Who hides counsel without knowledge? We haven't got the full knowledge of God. Let no man deceive you upon the face of the earth today. No man has got the full knowledge of God. No, no. It's being revealed to us every single now and then. And it's nothing new under the sun. The Bible says everything under the sun is not new. And then he says, Therefore I have added what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. He says, I spoke about things which is too wonderful for me. Have you seen heaven? And don't believe these people who say they've went up there and write books about it. I'm talking about the book of life. You know, I know of a man, his name is Paul. He speaks of himself in the third person. He says, I know of a man who was caught up into heaven. And the things, go and read it in 2 Corinthians. He says, the things I saw is indescribable. Yet now these days you find bestsellers now, I died for five minutes and I went to heaven and I saw the golden streets. He didn't write about the golden streets, Paul. He says it's indescribable. So wonderful. Here he says to Job, he says, Job says it, he says, I've uttered things which I do not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Now he says in verse 4, listen please and let me speak. Listen and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. And I, this is our verse now in verse 5. He says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I find a prophet called Isaiah. And you know what happened to Isaiah in chapter 61? It says that, the, the, the presence of God came into the temple. And what did he do? This is a prophet of God. He fell down as dead before the Lord. And he says, oh me of unclean lips. Friends, let me tell you, the presence of God is holy. The presence of God is righteous. And this is what we need to understand about the We shouldn't make the presence of God cheap like they do these days. It's not cheap. You can't buy it over a counter. The presence of God is holy. Hear this man. He experienced, encountered God, and what does he do? He says, I abhor myself, and he repented. I'll tell you one thing this morning, dear friend. If God, and he's here this morning, don't get me wrong, because he's in us. The Holy Spirit is in us. The presence of God is in this place. But if he, if he decides this morning to come in his Sakaya glory into this place, there will not be anybody sitting on a seat here. You'll be on your face in the power of God. He's not a cheap God. He's a holy God. But let's look at this now. Job chapter 42 verse 5. He says the following. He says, I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, 
but now I see you. With what? With his eyes. You see, there's two ways of having knowledge of God. Two ways that he says. The first one is by the hearing of the ear. The hearing of the ear. And everybody here who sits here, you've heard about God. How? By the gospel that's been preached to you. And you know what we find? The gospel changes communities. It changes communities. I've read this out of a snip of a book in the kingdom without borders. This is the book's name, The Untold Story of the Global Christianity. Listen to this testimony. He says, sometimes the gospel saves a whole people from annihilation, totally wiped out, sometimes. In Borneo, the gospel, uh, uh, in, Borneo in the middle of the 19th century, the British governor prohibited headhunting and improved agricultural methods. You know what headhunting is? They were killing people, cannibals. So the, the British came in and they said, that's now prohibited, you can't do that. And what did they try to do? They um, improved the agricultural methods. More rice and more freedom from, from fear to let to more... Uh, let me read that again. More rice and freedom from fear led to more fermented beverages, partying and heavy drinking. Alcoholism became a major source. Families were broken and violence erupted frequently. Then, in Australia, several Christians felt called to serve the Lanbangwan and the Killer people. And when they arrived, the British officials tried to discourage them. They said it was not worthwhile because those people are going to disappear. They will, not be, they will be gone in a generation. See what's happened here? They come in and they say, no, you can't eat people, you can't hit on people anymore, we're going to improve your life, we're going to educate you. And when they educated them, they fell just into something else, into alcoholism and violence, and they were all, you know, the parties. And what did these officials say? Leave them, they're going to wipe themselves out. But man, these Australians who went over there, these missionaries, they had a different idea. They said they will wipe them out in one generation. They will be gone. Nevertheless, the missionaries did go. They shared God's good news. The people responded. Lives changed. They quit drinking. Families were healed. They asked the government for schools. Today they are literate, contributing citizens, including believers, nearby tribes. There are roughly 150,000 followers of Jesus and more than 1,000 churches, they say. The gospel saved us, not only as individuals, but as a people. What is the point here? Friends, laws are not enough. You can make laws, but it's not enough to save a people. Government is not enough. You can have the best government. Education is not enough. And economic development is not enough. You know what is enough? The gospel. The gospel. You preach the gospel, people hear it, and they change. But then again, there's a danger within that. You sometimes get where the gospel is preached and people are changed by association. What do you mean by that? Well, you bring somebody into the midst of us and we're all talking to talk nicely. And this person is a foul mouth person. I've seen it happen before. 
they will change. Their lives will change by association. It's not necessarily means that they are saved. They are just changing because the environment around them changes them. And this is one of the dangers. He says here, he says, I've heard of you. He says, I've heard of you by the hearing. The second way of knowing God is by seeing with your eyes. That's a different level now. This is by faith. And faith is an act of the soul. It's an act of the soul. So let me give you three ways to know God. Three ways. First of all, people know God by general revelation. A general revelation. And this is available to everyone. Uh, And we use our senses to experience God, generally. The second way that we know God is by special revelation. Special revelation comes by the word spoken to man. You remember when Moses went up on the mountain? God spoke to Moses and he gave him what? The Ten Commandments. That was a special revelation that was given to Moses. Not a general revelation. General revelation is what do we find? We see it out there. We see it in the trees everywhere. We see God's nature. That's a general revelation. And the whole world knows the general revelation of God. Nobody can say they don't know there is a God. Even the atheists have to admit. And they will bow their knees one day. And then you've got a personal relationship. Now I want to say that everybody in this room is at one of those stages. My prayer is that everybody comes to the third stage, which is a personal relationship. You see, friends, when you can, in a general relationship, you learn something about God. You know that God is an intelligent being. Who knows that? It takes somebody intelligent to put everything together around us, to create this universe. And if you think that is cool, just look beyond the stars. Look into all the planets. Look into the universe. And if you think that's cool, to put on a microscope and go really to the smallest things on the earth, the smallest moving particles in the earth. It takes an intelligent being to do that. And everybody will know this. This is general revelation. And we also find out out of general revelation that God is powerful. Who knows that? You look at nature and you see when nature crosses the boundary or physical boundary, you get a disaster, floods, tsunamis, tornadoes. That shows within this creation how powerful it is. And then we find our Lord Jesus Christ, one night on a boat, and the storms were against the little boat. Who knows that story? Who knows that testimony? And he was sleeping. And all the water, the Bible says in that particular passage that the water filled the boat. So water was already coming into the boat. And that's how some of us feel in our lives. We're going to go down. And then Jesus stood up and what did He do? He spoke against the storm. And the power of God settled everything. So what do we know out of general uh, revelation? He's intelligent and He's powerful. But then we know the special revelation. In special revelation, we learn two things about God. We learn about His character. And we learn about His purpose. Where do you find that? In the Bible. This is supernatural. Let me tell you, friends, this is not just a book. This is the Holy Scriptures. This is the Holy Scriptures. This is a supernatural book. 
This is the Word of God. All the other books that you find, listen, all the other books that you find in this whole world is written by man. This book is written by God. You say, oh, wait a minute, but there's so many authors in there. We've got Paul, we've got Peter, we've got James, we've got Job, we've got Moses. All of them are inspired by whom? The Holy Spirit. You say, where is that? Well, God writes it Himself in the Bible. He writes it in, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. He says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. You know what that word inspiration there means? It means it's breathed by God. It is the breath of God. What you've got in your hands, dear friend, is the breath of God. It's the breath of... This is, this is the Holy Scriptures. It's a supernatural book. And still the bestseller of all times. Still. Not the Chronicles of Narnia. Not Rick Warren's Best Life Now. No, it's not Best Life Now. That's Joel Austin. No. Not that book. Not 40 Days Purpose Driven. None of those. The best-selling book is the supernatural book, the Word of God. But let me tell you, the least read book today is what? That supernatural book. Best-seller of all time, but people don't read it. One would think. One would think that if you want a special revelation of God, you would go to the book. But no. What people do, they hear about this apostle who's going to visit. Yes. And he's got an ear from God. God speaks in his right ear. Left right ear. God speaks in his ear. And you know what people do? They will drive miles and they will pay thousands of dollars just to sit there in the auditorium so that by chance God speaks in his right ear and say, oh, I've got a word for you, Janelle. That's a special revelation, they say. Yet, yet we've got him every single day. It's his special revelation out of the word of God. But people neglect that. Friend, if you want to know more about God's character, read the book. Say to the person next to you, read the Bible. Say it. Come on, say it to somebody next to you. If you want to know more about God's purpose, why did God put this universe together? Why did God put you right now in Karam Downs? Why did God put you in this church this morning? Why? There's a purpose for it. Why did He put me to preach here? I mean, here you go, I'm born South African, South African born Kiwi is now in Australia, mate. Why did he put me here to preach you? Why did you find the time? Why do you come and listen to this funny sounding South African? Why? Why, oh why? Is it to be seen? I don't pay you. Have, have I paid anybody to be here? It's a special revelation from him. And he's got a purpose for you, for now, for this time of life. Why did you manage to live beyond 21 years old? Why did you manage to survive that crash you were in? You know, I asked these questions. When I was a young man, man, I was full of blood. I jumped on a truck one night. This still comes back to me. I was working to, to fund me to study as a teacher. One night, hitchhiking back, there were no cars, 2 o'clock in the morning on a very busy motorway. A friend of mine, myself, we jumped on the back in the winter. I had a nice new jacket, which I bought with money that I saved up. It was expensive. So this friend of mine, it was a low-bed truck. 
and it went up a hill and we ran and we jumped on the back and we held on. It's only a 10 kilometer drive to where we lived. And we held on there. Man, I could tell you how cold it was. I could still feel how cold it was. And hang on there. We were going to jump off and run and yay, thank you. We misjudged ourselves. We didn't realize that if that thing goes at 60 kilometers an hour, we can't outrun it. Because the fast, you know, if you can run 33.8 kilometers an hour and it goes 30 and it goes 60, I think you can make the math. It works like a wave. So as we jumped off, I land two feet, two knees, one, uh, one hand roll over my shoulder. My friend, two feet, two hands roll that way. But we both survived. You know what could have happened? We could have been knocked out. Two o'clock in the morning, a dark, dark, dark motorway where people gun it like they say. You know what I mean? You know, we know what we talk. They put speed on there. We could have lied there in the road and be knocked off. We could have been dead. Why did God allow us to survive? For a purpose. For a purpose. And He gives His purpose and our purpose through special revelation to us, through His Word. I better hurry on. Then we find a personal relationship. You see, some people get stuck there. General And when you speak to these people, you can hear words like, they will talk about God in nature. They will only talk about things out there. This, listen to people when they speak. That's why I say, when you speak, you can generally find out. I, I said it once in a sermon, and then I found that nobody wants to talk to me afterwards. Oh, he's going to know where I am at. No, that's not how it works. But you see, some people move on to special revelation. They start picking up the Word of God. And then we come to personal relationship. This is where you hear God's truth. You hear it. You experience the conviction through the Holy Spirit. And then you respond on the Holy Spirit. This is when you get born again. I'll leave it up there to sink in for a few minutes. This is important to understand. Because now we start to understand a little bit more about Job. When he says, I've heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. I want to suggest to you that in that passage he says that he understands the relationship now. He heard God's truth. He was convicted by the Holy Spirit and then he responded to the Holy Spirit. He says, now I see God. Now you might say, wait a minute. If he says, I've seen God, how does it work? We can say that his spiritual eyes has opened up. Now you say, how does this happen? Well, Paul explains it to us in the New Testament. How wonderful is it for you and for me to have the New Testament? The, who knows that the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed? It answers a few questions we couldn't have in the Old Testament. And here Paul goes. I'll, I'll show you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6. He says, however we speak wisdom amongst those who are mature. You see that? It tells me that you as a child of God needs to mature. How do you mature? Read your Bible. Pray every day. Pray every day. Pray every day. Read your Bible. Pray every day and we will grow, grow, grow. Watch TV. Play PlayStation every day. PlayStation every day. PlayStation every day. Watch TV, play PlayStation, and we will shrink, shrink, shrink. Yeah? How do you mature? 
You mature when you listen to the Holy Spirit. First of all, you are born again, otherwise you will not mature. You start reading your Bible and you listen to the Holy Spirit when He convicts you about things in your life. And you change them with His help. He says it here. Yet not the wisdom of this age. You see that? Nor the rulers of those who are coming to nothing. The wisdom of this age is coming to nothing. Stephen Hawkins knows that now. By now he will know. He's passed on. He would have appeared before Jesus himself. And he would understand that his wisdom comes to nothing. And I reckon if he can say something from the grave, he will say, burn my books. Burn my videos. Tell people to repent and come to Christ. That's what he will say. I, will, I, I know what he will say. He will say there is a God because he said there is not a God. You see, it comes to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. You see that? The wisdom of God in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages. You see what he says? Hidden wisdom. Hidden wisdom. Remember what I said. General revelation, special revelation, personal relationship. Where do you think God is going to show you the hidden things? Where do you think? There? No. There, He's starting to show you the hidden things. And there, He's going to give it to you personally. And here He says that. Listen, we find, we find the general revelation in Romans chapter 1 verse 16, 18. In Romans, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and the unrighteousness of men, who suppress the truth of the unrighteousness. Because the thing which may be known of God is clearly revealed within them. For God revealed it to them. How? General revelation. Nature. For the unseens of Him from creation of the world are clearly seen being realized by the things that are made. What is made? It's all around you. Even the internal power and God it for them to be without excuse because knowing God, they did not glorify Him as God. There's the problem today. People know God, but they don't glorify Him. They did not glorify Him as God. Neither uh, Neither were thankful but they became vain in the imagination and their foolish hearts was darkened. General revelation and they even that they turned their backs on God. We continue. 1 Corinthians 2.8 Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eyes has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. How wonderful is that? Friend, God has prepared something for you that love Him. And He says here, Paul writes down here, He says, eyes have not seen that yet. You ain't seen that yet, friend. Get encouraged today. Ear is not heard of the things that God prepared for you. The things which He prepared for those who love Him. But now verse 10. But God has revealed them to us through what? Through what? Where does the Spirit come into play? At a personal revelation. Personal relationship. 
You can get people, man, you can go to all of these classes. They will have these classes and teach through the Bible. They will give you head knowledge about the Bible. But if you haven't experienced the Spirit of God, there's no revelation coming. There's no revelation coming. He says it right there. God has revealed them through His Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Can you now see what, Paul, what, what Job meant when he says, I see in God now? Verse 11, for what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man's in him? Even so, none, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God. So why did we receive that spirit? That we might know the things and have been freely given to us by God. How privileged are you and I to have the Holy Spirit? Personal relationship, my friends. The conviction of the Holy Spirit convicting you and then responding to that. Uh, verse 13, These things we also speak not in words with man's wisdom teachers, but with the Holy Spirit teachers, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritually judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We can't instruct God, but we have the mind of Christ. You see what Paul means, uh, Job means? When he says, I see you now, I haven't only heard of you. This is the difference. Now, this can only happen through a personal relationship. What, what Paul was writing down there. Only through a personal relationship. Only when you hear God's truth, you experience the conviction through the Holy Spirit, and you respond to that Spirit. Listen to how he says it. He says, I've heard you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes have seen you. Then he says... Therefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. So let me finish this morning by verse 6. He says, I abhor myself. You see that? The Hebrew word that's used there means that he dislike or hate. Now he didn't dislike and abhor himself the things that he said. Because if you look at the second part of that verse, he says, repenting dust in ashes, and now you'll say, oh, wait a minute, ah, his friends was right all the time, weren't they? You remember when they said you've sinned so, so badly and this is why God punishes you? Now he repents. You, know, you can say, wait a minute, they were all along right, weren't they? No, they were not. You know what I suggest, I want to suggest to you that he repented of? And we need to take note of this. It's not because he was so bad as a person but it's because of the things that I believe he said when difficulty came his way. And this is a lesson that we need to learn. How are you reacting when you get difficult times in your life? Oh man, I know I fail. I know I fail dreadfully sometimes. We all get impatient, don't we? And sometimes when we get impatient, what happens? That old nature starts coming to the top again. And sometimes you just say something you shouldn't have said. Is it only me? I'm very vulnerable here this morning just explaining it to you. 
I mean, here I was on Friday evening trying to fly back from Auckland, okay? The previous day I had flown there and the flight was delayed two hours. That's fine, I got there. But on Friday I want to get home. I want to get home because I know on Sunday afternoon I'm going to fly out. I want some family time. And guess what happened? I'm standing at the airport in Auckland and the flight is delayed. Why? Not because of bad weather. Not because of a technical problem on the airplane. Because the first officer didn't appear for job. And I'll tell you what, if the first office isn't there, that plane ain't going anywhere. So here we stand. An old righteous me standing there with everybody. And you know what I felt after an hour? Surely, surely some senior manager should know about this. Am I right or wrong? I mean, this guy didn't turn up for his job. I'm a manager. If somebody didn't turn up for a job, what do I do? I walked up to the counter. Uh, John, I was very calm. I'm, tell, I'm, I'm telling you. And I walk up to the counter because this lady making silly jokes. And I walk up to her and I go, excuse me, just calmly, can you just tell me, I just want to ask you a question. I was going to ask for vouchers, you know, if there's no, I wasn't. I, I, said, I said, I just want to find out if a senior manager knows that this person didn't turn up. Oh, but she had a go at me. It's right there. And you know, it's at the gate. Everybody's looking at you. But here you go, friends. I'm feeling like this man, you know, I shouldn't have done that because five minutes after I did it, everybody looks at me now as this troublemaker. Guess what happened? Five minutes, I'm telling you, Philip, the guy walks in and everybody gives him a cheer. How do I feel? I had to open up my mouth. Then I had to say something. If I go back now, I would have loved to wait five minutes longer. <laughs> so I got on the plane, sat down there, and this lady came on the plane, and they start pointing towards me. I go, oh dear, everybody in that airplane knows about this bald-headed guy. That's when I thought I should have had a hoodie or just get some hair from somewhere. <laughs> but friends, sometimes we say things and we, uh, we just lose, and I, I repented as I was sitting there on that plane, and I said, Lord, I'm going to preach about this. I need to repent quickly. But that's the point I want to make. You see, I reckon that when he started repenting, and this is only suggestions, friends, that Job repented of the, the curse he pronounced upon the day of his birth. You remember when he did that? That's not a nice thing to do, is it? He said it. His friends heard him. I reckon when he, when he bowed before the Lord, he says, Lord, I abhor myself for all the filth that came out of my mouth. He cursed the day that he was born. Oh, Lord, I'm, I'm pleased, Lord, forgive me for that. I believe that he would have repented of his desire to die. You remember when he said it? Just to die. Wait a minute. God gave each one in this room life. And it's not there for you to give it away. It's there for God to take it because He gave it. So I'm against what's happening in the world now where they say you can have safe euthanasia. Because friend, it's not your life. It's God's life that He gave to you. And what God gives, God takes. Here's this man and he says, oh, that I've died, that I've taken my life. I think he went to the Lord and said, oh Lord, please forgive me. I repent. 
I reckon that Job repented of his complaints against the challenges of God. Lord, why me? Why are you doing this to me? Why not them? Isn't that you and me as well? Come on, let's face it. Let's be honest. Lord, why do I have to have such a tough life? If I look at over the, if I just look over the fence, those people, man, they live as if nothing bothers them. Why me? I reckon he went to the Lord and said, oh, Lord, please forgive me. Please, Lord, I abhor what I've said. He repented of his despair. You remember when I was sitting there, mochatrocha despair, and the world's gonna, the, the sky's gonna fall in. Friends, you and I need to do the same thing. I take you finally to our Lord Jesus Christ. And listen to this now. We find him in the upper room the last night with his disciples. He puts on, uh, like a servant, he puts on a cloth around his waist and he starts washing the disciples' feet. You know that passage? I want you to notice something here. In verse 5, John 13, 5, he says, After that he poured water out in a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel which was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Thinking that he should wash the Lord's feet. But he missed the point. Friend, let me tell you this morning, Jesus Christ came to this earth, it might shock you what I'm going to say, to wash our feet. He came to this earth to die on a cross for your sin. He came to wash our feet. And you know what? He's even washing our feet today. Every day He's still washing our feet. Let me explain. He said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Question mark. Jesus answered and said to him, you do not know what I do now but you shall know hereafter. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him and said, Unless I wash you, notice Jesus' words carefully, Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Have you noticed he didn't say, Unless I wash your feet. Unless I wash you. That refers to he washes you, he, you are born again. He washes your sin away. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18, let's reason together. Though your sins were like scarlet, like crimson, He will wash you whiter than snow. Who will do that? God will do that. Who came to do that? Jesus came to do that. He says, you don't understand what I'm trying to do here, Peter. He says, unless I wash you. Now, Peter still didn't get it. Unless I wash you, you have no part in me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Now this is what you need to see. Then Jesus said to him, He who is bathed has no need except to wash his feet. What is Jesus trying to say? Friends, when you get born again, He washes away your sin. You are washed. You are clean. You are sanctified. He forgave you your sin. But, this is not sinless perfection that I'm preaching. Because you and I know that we still, although we are children of God, do things which we shouldn't do. Am I right or wrong? 
Yes, we are saved, and if you die, you will go to heaven. But he comes to him and he says, Except to wash your feet, but he's clean every, ever with, and you are clean, but not all. He was talking about Judas Iscariot, we know that. He wasn't bathed. He wasn't saved. His sins wasn't washed away. So what is the point here? Friends, just like you walk through, in those days they didn't have nice shoes which cover the feet, they had sandals, they walked on dusty roads, and as you walk on a dusty road, not your whole body get dirty, but your feet get dust on it. And every house that you will walk in, the servant will go in and you will take off your feet and they had cans standing at the doors and they would wash your feet because your feet gets dirty. That's an act of welcoming and you know, this is the same cans that you find at the, at the marriage of Cana. You remember, fill the cans up. It was that. So what is the message for you and for me? Friend, if you are saved, we're not going to come out every single time and repent and to be born again. You're only born again once. But then hereafter, you wash your feet. What does it mean as I go through? Like me, I was there at the airport. I shouldn't have lost my cool. That's not a Christian thing to do. I'm ashamed of it. I'm standing in front of you and I testify about it because I'm ashamed of it. But I want you to understand that I went to the Lord and said, Lord, my feet are dirty. That's not the... What if one of those people on that airplane walked in here this morning and sat here and go, oh, wait a minute, that's that guy. Am I holier than thou? No. As I'm walking through this world, I get dirty, but I repent constantly about that. Let repentance be short. You are born again if you come to the cross and He forgave you. Yes, you are saved yesterday, today, and forever. You are saved. But friends, when your feet are dirty, come to the Lord and repent thereof. Job came to him. He was an upright man. And he said, Lord, I abhor myself. I repent. You know, wash my feet. Wash my feet. So what shall we act on this week? As you go your way, as I go my way, I'm going to go to the airport again this afternoon. We'll see if the flight is delayed. <laughs> And if it is, you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say, bless their hearts. You know what we do? We move on from general and special revelation to a personal relationship. I want to challenge you on that, friend. And then finally, let's wash our feet daily. Wash it daily. How do we do that? Pray and repent. Say, Lord, I'm so sorry for what I said to my brother or my sister or that person. Lord, Please forgive me. You know what's going to happen, friend? Next time, before you do it, the Holy Spirit's going to convict you for what you've prayed for. And so, what's happening? Slowly but surely, the Bible says He changes into the image of His Son. How wonderful is that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You this morning for this Word. We thank You, Father, for the practical application of Your Word.